last five years of my life, I, I feel like there's been incredible uh, lessons that I have learned about finances and about money and about losing your money. Five years ago, I, I, was, I was praying. I took a time of prayer and fasting, and I was asking God. I felt like God was do, trying to do something new in my life, and He was stirring something in my heart, and I'm like, okay, God, I'll do whatever, seriously, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. And he's like, okay, this is what I want you to do. So I said yes to God. As soon as I said yes to God, not a few months later, I lost my job. Lost my income. Had no opportunities at all for another job. I'm like, okay, God, I said yes to you. You're supposed to bless me, you know, right? So I went, I had to go find another job, and my friend was very kind to me, and he said, you can come work for my company and, until you, till you find, uh, you know, as, uh, till you find another, your ministry opportunity that you're looking into. And so he gave me the job. I was making 60% less than I made at my other job. And we were already living on the edge of our financial means. And I thought, oh, God, you know, I said yes to you now. I, I, I don't know. I know what it's like to, to have to look at your retirement and go, we're going to have to use this to pay our bills. We're going to have to use this to make it through. I know what it's like to, to be at the point where I'm, I've lost all my money several times. And it's interesting that we chose to speak on this topic maybe like six months ago. We said, you know what, on December 7th, we'll be talking about this it's interesting what's in the news today. Anybody watch the news? Anyone totally depressed by the news? We're in a major recession here. People are losing their jobs. People are losing their houses. People are, are losing their retirement. They're, people are losing everything. And if you watch the news, it can be pretty depressing to think that we could lose everything. And how ironic it is that today... We're talking about losing our money and, and, and what that means. About 10 years into my marriage, my wife started reading some birth order books. You know, have you ever heard of birth order things like the characteristics of a firstborn and a middle child and a, and a baby of the family, right? And it's about 10 years into our marriage, and she reads this portion about babies of the family, right? The, the last born, right? And, it, and the book says that two lastborns, two people from two different families, both babies of the families, should never marry each other, okay? Because they will be in for all kinds of financial woes. So she shared it with me. Well, we are both babies of the family in our prospective families, a little too late for that information, thanks a lot, Kevin Lehman, all right? So, so we looked at that and actually thought it was kind of funny, but realized maybe, maybe that's kind of true. Maybe that's kind of why we've, we, we've experienced the, the life we've experienced. But then just yesterday, I was thinking about that, and I thought, well, it's actually been kind of a blessing that both of us were babies of the family, because a lot of times, babies of the family were like, ah, whatever, I'll do whatever you want me to do. You know, we're, already, we're kind of free, and I've, I've been like able to just go, yeah, well, sure, we'll take a job at half the price. 
do whatever God wants us to do. And it's been really actually liberating and freeing for us to be able to do that. Now, sometimes it's cost us. Sometimes it's cost us dearly. Sometimes we've lost everything. And everything is like, but, oh, man, what God has given us in return, unbelievable. Unbelievable. So you might be asking why uh, a guy like me is up here speaking on finances today. Uh, I asked myself the same question, so um, I really don't have any idea why. But anyway, looking at the Bible and, uh, and the topics of the Bible, believing and faith and love and uh, all these things seem very important, and they seem like very important themes of the Bible, right? So the word believe, and it's used in the Bible about 200 and 72 times. The word prayer and, and, and praying is mentioned about 371 times. Now, you think prayer is important, right? All right, we talk about prayer, we pray, we, we, it's really important, 371 times. Love, now how important is love in the Bible? Come on, if you've read the Bible, if you've been to church, and you've, if you've been around this stuff, man, love is important. Jesus, you know, said love God with all your heart, and love your neighbor as yourself, and love 714 times. Give and giving. It's mentioned 2,161 times. Wow. Ten times more than believing. And I think about, I've thought about that as I, was, as I was preparing to speak today. What does that mean? I mean, that's a lot of times. 16 out of 38 parables that Jesus Stories, these parables and stories that Jesus said, 16 out of 38 have to do with money or possessions. Almost half of them. Money is the second greatest uh, theme in the Bible. And one out of every 10 verses in the Gospels speaks about money or possessions or giving. And when it comes to finances, I mean, people to giving generously or giving of finances, man, people come up with a lot of excuses. I've even used some of these in the past, so I feel, free to, I feel free to share some of them with you. Like, I'm a student. You know, I, I don't make a lot of money, so I'll wait till I get a career to give. Or I have too much debt, and my debt's bogging me down. As soon as I get that debt paid off, then I'll, I'll be free to give. Or I'm a single parent. You know, I'm here, I'm struggling, I'm, I, I, I'm working on one income, I don't have a lot of support, I really can't give right now. Or, I'll give when I make more. That's a great excuse, I'll give when I make more, when I get that bonus, when I win the lottery, when I, when, when I get more, I'll be able to give. And I found this statistic very interesting, that the more money people make, the less money they give to charity. Did you know that? The more money people make. In fact, this was interesting. People gave a higher percentage of their income during the Great Depression than they have since the Great Depression. You know how, much, how prosperous America has been since the Great Depression? How much we have and how much you know, we own and how much we make? And yet, people gave more during the Great Depression than they do 
today. Uh, some people have the excuse, I'll give, but if I do give, I won't be able to make my bills. I won't be able to take care of myself or my family. So that kind of leads us to what God has to say about generous giving, about turning our life upside down, losing our money. And I'm telling you, I'm, I was very apprehensive about talking today. I'm actually very excited about what God can do if we really follow what he says. In Luke chapter 38, or chapter 38, there's not 38 chapters. Is there, Sam? No, thir- not 38 chapters in Luke. Chapter 6, verse 38, all right? All right, here we go. It says this. It says, give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I mean, here Jesus is giving this example. It's kind of a, a farm illustration, but this basket of putting, putting grain in this basket and then pressing it down and shaking it up and pressing it down and, into kind of a measuring basket. And you shake it, you let it settle, you press it down. And Jesus says, when you give, it will give, be given back to you in your basket that you're holding. And it, it will fill up, it will be pressed down, but it will be filled up and it will be overflowing, running, overflowing into your lap. It's amazing. What Jesus says, this, this very principle of give and it will be given unto you. So I brought a little illustration today. I hope you will enjoy this, okay? I got this uh, barrel here. All right. All right, here we go. Ah, can you see that in the back? All right. All right, we got a 55-gallon barrel here. And um, I don't know why they don't make 50-gallon barrels. It seems like the math would be a whole lot easier if you did that. Well, let's pretend it's a 50-gallon barrel, okay? Uh, I just want to be truthful with you. All right. All right. And this is a five-gallon bucket. So we're going to talk a little bit about this today. This barrel here, this represents everything you own and control, okay? Everything in this barrel right here, okay? So it's your finances, it's your family, it's your job, it's, it's your DVD collection, your Xbox 360, everything you own is right inside this barrel. This is you, okay? All right. We established that? Very good. Thank you. You guys are a quiet crowd today. All right, here we go. This is a five-gallon bucket, and if you do the math, five gallons is 10% of 50 gallons, right? Am I right on my math? All you math geniuses out there? Okay, I'm not that great at math, so you got to help me out here. Okay. And there's this biblical principle of giving of your tithe to God. Now, I was teaching on tithing once. Someone goes, tithing, isn't that a, isn't that a Mormon thing? You know, they use that word tithe, and they do use that word and, and, and that phrase tithe, but um, tithe, it's 10%. Even more sometimes in the Bible where it's referred to. But it's, it's this principle of giving your first fruits to God. The first things of what you have to God. God says, give me, if you, if you have ten buckets of apples, bring me one bucket of apples. Ten percent. If, if you produce a, a, a flock and you have a hundred sheep, ten of those sheep, bring them to me. And in an agricultural, uh, in the Old Testament agricultural uh, 
culture, this is what God was asking. He says, okay, bring your 10% of your crops and your animals to God to bring them to the temple so that the worship of God and the work of God can continue throughout the nation of Israel. So people would do that. They'd bring them in. And then all that grain, that's what the priests lived on. They lived on the grain. They lived on, on the flocks. They ate the food that the people brought in. If people made money and gold and they brought, had 100 pieces of gold, they'd bring in 10 pieces of gold to God. It's a, it's a principle that God has set up of bringing the first fruits the first 10% of anything you have, anything you gain, bring it to God. And it's a, it's a principle that started way before even the law was written. It was, it was a principle that Abraham even used. And so here, this is, this is the 10% first fruits principle right here. And what does God say about this, this bucket right here? Let's look in uh, the book of Malachi, chapter 3, verse 10. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. That's one of the, my favorite phrases in the whole Bible. God says, test me. How many times have you been tested by God? Seriously. How many times has your children tested you? You know, think about it. We're tested all the time. We go to school for like the first 20 25 years of our lives we're in school and college we always have our taking tests and here god says i give you permission to test me god says i give you permission to test me i I guarantee you i'll pass the test okay he says test me in this says the lord almighty and see if i will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out as much blessing that you will not have enough room for it i will prevent pests from devouring your crops Your vines of your field will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed. For yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. This is general principle. And I like what God's called in this. The Lord Almighty. Is he almighty? He says, all I want is is this. This is all I want. You give this. I'll open up the floodgates of heaven. A flood. Now, I could pour this over your, a bucket like this of water over your head. You wouldn't consider that a flood, would you? So God's saying, what you give, this little piece that you give uh, for me, you pour it out, I'll open floodgates. I will flood you so that people will look at you and they'll look at your church, they'll look at your faith community will look at what God's doing in your life and they'll say wow that's those are people that are blessed those are people that are blessed back when I was in Detroit we had a bus ministry and we would take we take old school buses and refurbish them and we would just go down into neighborhoods and and pick kids up and a lot of times we would not only pick kids up but we would pick their families up and parents would come and they'd come to church and we would bring them to church on Sunday morning and they had to be part of our children's ministry and the parents went to the adult service and then uh, every summer, we'd take a week, and we'd do this evening thing. We called it Kid Mania. And we'd bring all the kids in through there. And this woman had brought her kids on the bus, and she obviously slipped past the bus driver, uh, and he didn't notice that she was totally intoxicated. So during the middle of our, our little outreach thing there, she came in, and she's like, 
where are my kids? What have you done to my kids? And she was totally drunk as a skunk, right? She's just totally plastered. And here she was, like, didn't even know where she was or what was going on or anything. Well, the cool thing was that after that night, after they got her calmed down and everything and took her home, she kept coming on Sundays. She kept bringing her kids to church on Sundays. She'd get on the bus. She didn't have a car. She was a single mom with kids, and she was living in a crummy rental in a bad part of town. But she started coming. She started hearing about this Jesus thing. And, well, I, you know, given your life to Christ, and she says, that's what I want. I don't, uh, my life is really messed up. That's what I want. And not too long after that, she heard about this tithe thing, like giving 10% of, of everything you get. She's like, well, if I want to be obedient to God, I guess I should do this. I should, I, I should do this. So she started, she started giving her tithe. And not too long after that, she came into church. She goes, you will not believe this. My company is cutting back all the time, and they never give anybody raises. And my boss called me into this office this week, and he said, I'm giving you a 17% raise. She's like, I couldn't believe it. I guess this tithe thing really works, you know? And that was God's way of showing to her, this stuff really works. Proverbs 11.25 says, A generous man will prosper, and he who refreshes others will refresh himself, be refreshed. Man, is, is your giving, this question, is your giving making you feel refreshed? Are you being so generous with your life that, that you're feeling refreshed? But here's the interesting thing. As I did my research this week and looked at statistics of, of what people give, in the American church, those who call themselves believers of Christ give an average of this much of their income to the work of God. 2%. 2%. Half of you got it. 2% milk. Get it? Okay. All right. That the American church, those of us who say, I love God, I love Jesus with all my heart, I do this, you know, give 2% of everything they have, their income, to the work of God. And the whole New Testament is all about this generous giving towards God because of what he's given. And I wonder, I, I had to ask myself, when did we get to the point where we said, this is generous giving to God. Don't even worry about this, but this is generous giving to God. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. But as I was thinking about that, I was thinking how the state of ch the church in America... And I know that here at K2, we're, we continue to grow every week, and more and more people are coming and everything. But the general state of the church in America is the church is in decline. That more and more churches are, are, are closing their doors, selling their property. Many pastors are working two and three jobs to, to keep up uh, with, with, with uh, supporting their family while also pouring their full-time effort into the ministry of the church. So... I wonder where we got from this. But when we get to this point, talking about this, okay? God says this is a principle. That's, that's okay. This is a principle. 
of pouring out your 10% and giving it to God, and he'll pour out floodgates of heaven. But what Jesus is trying to say, and what the New Testament is trying to teach us, is that generosity, generosity and giving towards God, it needs to be everything in here. That our attitude needs to be that everything belongs to God. Everything. And here's the deal. When we say, everything in here, God, okay, I'm going to take it, and I'm going to pour it out. I'm going to just turn my life upside down. I'm going to pour out everything because, because I love you, Jesus, with all my heart, and I'm going to give you everything. If we say, I'm going to turn my life upside down, I'm going to pour out everything I have to give to God. Jesus said, if you give, it will be given to you with whatever measure you use, it will be used unto you. And I think about that verse. I'm like, holy smokes. If I use this measurement, I'm going to get a little wet, right? A little wet. If I use this measurement, he says what? I'll pour out a flood, right? I'll pour out a flood. Now, if I use this measurement, what's bigger than a flood? I don't know. Super flood? I don't know. But if I pour this out, won't he pour out blessings? He says, I'll pour out blessings in the same way. Jesus oftentimes talks about what, whatever you give, I'll give you a hundred times back. Could you imagine a hundred of these buckets poured out on your head? Wouldn't that be amazing what God could do? But upside down living can only happen if we have an eternal perspective on giving, knowing that we impact eternity with our giving. I was very much surprised as when I did my study on giving through the scriptures in the last few weeks, how much giving and generosity towards God was tied to our life in eternity and eternal life. How much, not that you can buy eternal life, but how much it was tied into how we live our lives. So here's some, here's some scriptures. These are some good things to maybe write down, and you can go back and look at these. But generosity is all about our love for God. It's all about our love for God. In Proverbs 3, verse 9, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruit of your crops. So it's all about love and honor towards God. And then in 1 Timothy, there's some principles in 1 Timothy chapter 6 that I thought were really interesting. Generosity is all about our trust of God. Our trust of God. 1 Timothy 6 verse 17, it says this, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. Now let's stop there. Could this verse have been written like by yesterday's news. Wealth, which is so uncertain. How many companies have failed? The, the General Motors and Ford and Chrysler, they're all saying, hey, we're going bankrupt here. Give us, give us billions of dollars to bail us out. Banks are saying, give us billions of dollars to bail us out. Wealth, tell them <laughs> to not be arrogant or put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. 
Is wealth so uncertain? Huh, totally. Money is so uncertain. You can have it today and have, have nothing tomorrow. And you can have nothing today and have millions tomorrow. It is so uncertain. But to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Look at that. Command those who are rich, those who have, to give to God. Because put their hope in Him. Trust God. Generosity is all about our lifestyle. Write that down. Generosity is all about our lifestyle. The very next verse says something very interesting about generosity. It says, Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. To me, what that's saying is this, that we're not only to be generous with our finances, that's not what this whole message is about, just being generous with our finances. Be generous, be rich in good deeds, in doing good. Let that be the response to God. Be generous and willing to share. It's all talking about our lifestyle, generosity as a lifestyle. And then this, generosity is about the future. Generosity is about the future. The very next verse, verse 19, sums this up. It says, in this way, if they do, are generous with their wealth, and they're generous with their deeds, in this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of life that is truly life. Life that is truly life. Man. The, the Bible is just teaching us that it's not just about the money. It's not just about giving. It's about giving generously so that, what? You may discover what real life is all about in God. It's not about what we have right now. It's about what He wants to do. And then generosity is about maturity. But as you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge, in complete earnestness in your love for us, see that also you excel in this gift of giving. In the book of Luke, there's two stories about two different people that, that Jesus and his disciples observed. And his first story is about a rich ruler. And I just want to read this to you and just... just Listen to what this is. Imagine this rich man coming to Jesus, and he says this. He says, good teacher. He says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So he was looking for life that's real life, eternal life. Jesus says in verse 19, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these... Jesus says, all those. And, and, and the rich man says, all these I have kept since I was a boy. When Jesus heard this, he said, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was a man of great wealth. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard is it for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. 
It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Here's the deal. Jesus said, okay, I'm going beyond what, what this is. And I'm sure that this rich ruler, if, if he obeyed all the commandments of, of do not steal, do not you know, honor your parents, you know, do, do these things. If he said, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm totally cool with those. I, I don't lie. I don't cheat on my wife. I don't do any of those things, okay? And, and I think it's not in the text, but I, I have a feeling he was probably thinking, yeah, and I also give what God commands me to give. I do this. This is what I give to God. And Jesus says, that's great. That's incredible. That's so cool. Just one more thing. Take everything you have and give it to God. Take everything you have and give it to God. And then you will be destitute for the rest of your life. Is that what it says? It doesn't say that, does it? See, that's what we think. We think, oh, if we give everything to God, we'll be destitute. We'll be out on the street. No, he says, he says this. Give this, give your life to me. And I tell you what, you will have treasures in heaven. You will have heavenly treasures, spiritual treasures, financial treasures, all these blessings from God. You'll have all this stuff, a super flood from God. And then you can come follow me. Follow me, the Son of God. Follow me, the Savior of the world. You can do that. You can have all that stuff. Just give me this little bucket. Come on. And he went away sad. It's interesting because right after that, Peter, the rich ruler, he just, he just walks away from God. He says, he walks away from Jesus. He says, no, I'd rather keep my, my bucket right here. I'll keep this and uh, I'll, I'll give up on that stuff. And then Peter's standing there and all the other disciples and Peter goes, excuse me, I, I got a question here. Um, we've left everything. We've left our homes and our families and our we left our boats on the shore. We left our nets. We left everything. Jesus, we've left everything to follow you. What, what about us? What's in it for us? And Jesus says, I tell you the truth. And he, I love how Jesus always starts what he's saying. I tell you the truth. Come on, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to tell you the truth. No one who has is, who is given up or left their home or their wife or their brothers or their parents or children, their jobs, their their finances. What? No one who has left all this stuff for my sake will fail to receive many times as much in this age and the age to come eternal life. You see how God puts his eternal perspective on it again? A few chapters later in, in chapter 21 of Luke, verses 1 through 4, is another story where Jesus is, again, I invite you to come into this story. And he's sitting there with his disciples and they're at the temple and they're, they're watching people come in and bring their offerings to God. Right? And we pick it up in verse 1. Jesus, it says, As Jesus looked up, Jesus saw the rich putting their gifts into, into the treasury, the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Then Jesus says, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Two people 
Two different lives, two different outcomes, two different perspectives on eternity. Think about this. You know what the rich man got to get? He got to keep this. He got to keep this, and boy, wasn't that great. He missed out on every blessing that God wanted to give him. He missed out on everything God wanted to pour out on him. He missed out on everything because he said, I will keep this. This, this, this widow who had nothing, she was destitute, right? All she had left was two small copper coins. She gave everything. Jesus said she gave more than all of these other guys gave. How is that possible that she gave more than all these people dropping off bags of gold? That two copper coins, two pennies, is more than all this gold that was accumulated from all these rich people. How is that more? Here's, the, here's the, what I believe. I believe this, that our generosity towards God has nothing to do with the size of our bucket. It has nothing to do with how much we have to give. It's determined by the position of our bucket. You see, a, a bucket like this, in this position, upright, open on top, can only collect and it can only keep. It can only collect and it can only keep in this position. And that was just enough for this rich ruler. But a bucket in this position, upside down, it pours everything out. And Jesus said, this is the position of that widow's bucket. She may not have had no, as much to start, oh, but she's given more. because She's given everything she has to him. An amazing perspective on how God wants us to live this upside-down living. Back when I was in Detroit, again, another story about when I was a children's director in Detroit, we were doing this huge building project, um, and, and a lot of it included new children's areas for our kids. Our kids were growing like crazy, and, and uh, we needed more space, and we were going to bust out some walls and build some new stuff and add some things so we could get as many kids in as possible. So I challenged our kids. I said, now the adults, your mom and dad, you're gonna he they're going to hear about this new capital campaign where everyone gives to the building and this big building fund and everything. I said, how cool would it be if we could do the same and we could, we could bring in a, a gift to God for his work, for what he's doing here in our church today. And so this little kid, Mitchell, went home. And I, I didn't tell him how much to give. I just said, you know, dig in the couch find some coins. I said, we're going to bring all these coins. Change. Ask your mom if she's got some spare change, whatever. You know, just collect some change as you're going out throughout your day, you know. And I, I had no idea what, what effect this would have, but little kid Mitchell, he was about seven years old at the time, he went to his mom and he, she goes, Mom, I want to give everything in my piggy bank to God. Now being a good mom, which she was, she was an awesome mom, she used this as a very good teaching moment for him. She says, no, Mitchell, you know, you, you've been saving this up for a long time, and, and you've been putting your birthday money and chore money and all this stuff. You've been saving this up for a long time. 
you know, this is yours. Maybe we can take part of it and get you something real nice. And then we'll give some to God. He's like, oh, okay. And about a week later, he comes to his mom and goes, Mama, I've been praying, and I really feel I need to give everything in my piggy bank to God. And she's like, oh, honey, let me repeat my lesson, okay? This is all yours. You've been saving it up for a long time. And, and maybe you can take part of it and buy yourself something nice. And maybe you can take the other part and give it to God. He's like, oh, okay. Another week goes by, and he comes to his mom. He says, Mom, this week, this, this week we're, supposed to, we're supposed to give to the work of God. Uh, I really want to give everything in my piggy bank to God. Finally, she's worn down. She's fine. You know, fine. If that's what you want to do, it's yours, but if it's yours to give, so go ahead, give it away. And that Sunday, she had no idea what we did, but I had put containers across the front of the, uh, front of the stage, and, and uh, we had planned that the kids would come in and just pour in their offering to God's work. And... I was surprised. I had no idea what kids would bring, right? But kids were bringing in coffee cans full of change. They were bringing in butter tubs full of change. They had all kinds of different, different containers, but they were, brought them all in. And some of them were like, you know, all pennies in a, in a cookie tin. But it was pretty awesome. And I'm like, oh, my. I don't, and I thought to myself, I don't think that the containers I put down on the stage are going to hold all that these all the coins these kids brought in. So the kids came in, and they started filling up these buckets, and they actually were starting to overflow. And here, here comes Mitchell down the aisle, and he comes up on the stage, and he, he, he pours out everything he has onto that pile and walks off. And his mom's sitting there, Tears are flowing down her face. And afterwards, she tells me the story. I had no idea all this was going. She tells me the story. She says, here I was supposed to be a good mom, teaching my kid financial responsibility and all that good stuff. And I was teaching him on giving part of what you have to God. And here, Mitchell taught me, my seven-year-old boy taught me what it really means to give everything to Jesus. Man, I don't know about you, but I want to have an upside-down bucket. And I, I, I prayed, and, and, and this week, I, I, as I was praying, I was like, God, I'm just, I'm just telling you, if there's anything in my bucket I'm still holding on to, if there's parts of my life that I'm not being ge- very generous with, and trust me, there are parts of my heart I'm not very generous with. There are things in my life I'm not very, I'm not as generous as I should be. God, I'm just asking you, open up my heart and reveal it to me and show me any place I am not being generous, any place that I'm not holding upside down and pouring out to you. There's a great website. I would love for you to do some self-study on this because there's a ton. I said there's 2,130 what some... Uh, verses in the Bible about giving. Um, And I'm going to start reading them now until we're done. 
No, okay. Just kidding. Uh, I'm not going to do that to you. But there's a great website, and write it down on your program. Take it home and uh, do some self-study. Prove to me that I'm full of it when I say what I'm saying up here today. Just come prove it to me, okay? So go to generousgiving.org. I discovered this website. I thought, this is amazing. These people just put it together. They don't make any money off this website. It's not an advertising website. They just do it to get the word out about what generous giving could really happen. You see, you don't have to give anything to God's work. But shoot, if you don't give anything, uh, what what do you expect to get from God? I mean, he wants to pour out all this stuff you. So generousgiving.org. I just challenge you to go there. It has a list of every scripture that talks about giving. It talks about the principles of giving generously and what that is in return for. It talks about how churches use money and, and what they do. It talks about what percentage of people give. It gives all the statistics. It has a list of every single excuse why you should not give. And then it gives an answer of why that's just an excuse. So go to generousgiving.org. So I'm going to ask the band to come up. I just want to ask these questions, because here's the deal. Here's what the crux of this message comes down to. The crux of this message comes down to, do I trust that if I turn my life upside down, do I trust that God will fill it up to overflowing? Do I really, really trust Him? Do I trust God that if I give him the first fruits of my life, of my labor, 10%, whatever you want to call it, tithe, I don't care what you call it, but if I would give the first fruits of my life, that he will pour back on me a flood of spiritual and financial and all kinds of blessings that we cannot contain? Do I trust him? Do I love God enough? Do I love God enough that I would totally be obedient? to whatever he asks me to give. And this question, is my heart in the right place with God that when I lose my money, when I, I, that I'm willing to lose my money and that I'm willing, is my heart in the right place that I'm willing to turn everything upside down in order to see what he would give? The principle is this. The principle is simple. Whatever measure you use, it will be measured back unto you. Jesus said it's true. Our job is to believe it and put it into action. I would just like to pray before we go into our time of worship today. I'd just like to pray and just ask God to do a work in our hearts. Heavenly Father, I first of all come before you and confess That even this last week, as I prepared for this message, that I had opportunities to be generous, and I totally blew them off. (laughs) And I thank you for showing that in my heart, because, God, I certainly do not want that in my life. And God, I pray for all of us, every person sitting here, we have our income, we have what we have. We all have different size buckets that we're starting with, different amounts of things that we own. Oh, and God, it is personal. It is very personal to us. 
God, I just pray that you will, that you will teach us and you will lead us and you will guide us into generous giving. Generously giving our lives to you so that you can generously pour out a super flood of everything that you have for us. We dedicate this time of worship. I pray that the words of these songs will just sink into our hearts and, and water the very seeds of the word that have been planted in our hearts today. I thank you for it. I love you, Jesus. I just thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you just stand with us this morning, and we are going to take up our regular offering this morning. And if you're a guest, just trust me, if you're just seeking for Jesus, don't worry about that. This is an opportunity for us to really give out of our heart. Those of us who put our faith and trust in God, to give out of our heart to Him.